Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800-522-4700. Muckleshoot Casino is going to empty the vault. Win your share of $100,000 cash this month. Come in any day and get a free entry. Get bonus entries on Wednesdays and double entries on Tuesdays for every 2,500 points you earn. Just play any of your favorite table games or machines to enter. Drawings are every Wednesday in August from 6.30 to 8 p.m. It's Empty the Vault, and it's only at Muckleshoot, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Two and a half furlongs to go in the Long Acres Mile, and Papa's Golden Boy has built up a four-length lead. Top executive is in second. Spin and image goes wide, and then it slews Tiz Wiz, who scrapes the paint but gets through towards the rail. Three sixteenths to go. Moment of truth time for Papa's Golden Boy. Papa's Golden Boy has a lead by four. Slews Tiz Wiz. Now angles to the outside second, and then it's top executive, five-star general Majestic Eagle. Sixteenth to go. It slews Tiz Wiz, who sweeps on by. Slews Tiz Wiz in the Long Acres Mile. Papa's Golden Boy was second. The top Time for the mile, 134.46. Sluiced his whiz and Jose Zunino in the Long Acres Mile. The stretch of the 2022 Long Acres Mile and a new Washington bred hero. Sluiced his whiz, wins going away for his connections. K&D Thoroughbreds, Tom Wenzel, Jose Zunino aboard. Bill Downs called it uh, Great day at Emerald Downs on Sunday, fellas, and nice call of the mile. Your first one, Bill. Thanks very much, and uh, what a ride by uh, Jose in the in the mile. Skimmed the inside, never got off the rail until the stretch, and was able to uh, get that racing room. I was a little bit worried there at the top of the lane. Looked like it was going to be a potential jam up, and I was just kind of waiting for a second. But then uh, once I saw uh, Jose getting through with Sluice Tiz Wiz, I'm like, eh, that looks like the winner right there. But, uh, you know, Papa's Golden Boy ran super. He did. I mean, talk about, uh, you know, the interior fractions, uh, the second quarter and the third quarter were, were something else. Um, so Papa's Golden Boy, no disgrace, finishing second. Um, got around that first turn, you know, pretty pretty well. It wasn't the greatest start in the world, but it was a good enough start in retrospect. And uh, Papa's Golden Boy set those fractions. Radke did nothing wrong, and I thought it was a great ride. I thought both uh, the top two finishers uh, ran ran absolutely uh, superb uh, in the Long Acres Mile. Yeah, Vince, a couple of uh, notes on that. Um, Sluice Tiz Wiz becomes the 22nd Washington-bred winner and the 20th individual 
where Trooper 7 and uh, Striker PhD are both multiple winners. Um, and this is the first time you mentioned Papa's Golden Boy running second. Wabred's running 1-2 in a mile since 1995. Hey, good stuff there. When LJ Express and Fun Boy ran 1-2 when the mile was at Yakima Meadows. So the first time in Emerald Downs history that Washington Breds uh, take down the top two spots. And they were both great. Um, in fact, they kind of dominated the race in they retrospect. Did. Uh, you know, looking back, going into that far turn, uh, Papa's golden boy is just moving out there. As you mentioned, his second quarter was uh, 22 and 2, and uh, he just kept going. And, you know, uh, at the top of the stretch, he had a huge chance for victory. But this loose tiz whiz is just as sharp as a horse can be right now. Uh, yeah. Tom Wenzel's talked about his development the last two months. He said at the draw breakfast that the horse is peaking, yeah. and that horse ran like a horse that was peaking. And what a long ways he's come in just about six weeks here for uh, Darlene uh, Craig and Roy Brewer and the whole gang down there at the Wenzel Barn. They're just having a tremendous season, uh, the Tadaro horses as well as the Craig horses, and they're all just firing, you know, but uh, stakes winner uh, also with the two-year-old and uh, just uh, T.O. Philly, so just great guns. Yep, he's won three of the last four two-year-old races Tom Wenzel has with Aloha Breeze, Red Cross Knight, Lloyd's Logic, don't kiss and tell. Got another stakes win not long yeah. ago. So, yeah, Tom Wenzel, he's going to join us on Horse Racing Northwest. So is Dana Halverson of the WTBOA. The, this year's summer sale is coming up on Tuesday at 1 p.m., Tuesday, August 23rd at the WTBOA Pavilion, of course. And Robert Geller is going to give us a little preview of the Queen's Plate, which will be Sunday. So we've got a lot of people to talk to today. But, uh um, thanks for you guys coming out to the Railbird Rally on Sunday morning. Add a little expertise. One quick story there. We gave away a $50 win ticket, and Morton Erskine got the uh, trivia question right on the percentage of mile-winning favorites. He said 40%, and uh, it's 39 so he was right there. So instead of picking his winner himself, he let little Benny, the grandson of uh, Fred and Cindy Desimone, just put his finger on the program and he picked papa's golden boy oh so uh morton had 50 bucks to win on papa's golden boy which was a, a heck of a thrill at what 11 to 1 11 to 1 yeah. got great run for his money yeah. we talked last week scott hansen's story on kevin radke in the times and one of the quotes out of there was kevin says you know if i don't win you know it doesn't matter if you're second or tenth it's not winning and it's just it's no good in my life i have to think maybe papa's golden boy was a little bit better than not you yeah. know uh, uh just a throwaway that was a, a heck of a, a run by that horse and i'm sure kevin had to be proud of the effort papa's golden boy and his ride in the race sure. coming out of the 12 hole and, yeah just looking at the chart um not a, a whole bunch of excuses for horses either i mm -hmm. mean there's some wide trips but when you got a field of 11 someone's has to go wide and you know someone's not going to be it's not going to just be yeah. uh, horses going three deep or whatever and you know background defending champion you know i thought he was in a good spot and just uh, he was it looked like it was wasn't coming easy for him at any point in the race yeah and then majestic eagle for drysdale made a bit of a middle move he got me excited yeah. for a tiny bit yeah. on the turn and then he kind of flattened out in me, the stretch me and joe talk he looked like a turf horse right joe he yep. had a turf move he had an eighth of a mile go he looked like he had some real acceleration there but he was wide and then he just flattened out yeah and then the uh, five-star general seems to hit the board or is always in the money if you will uh, good run. every year yeah. real good run yeah, yeah he's kind of been the unnoticed horse here at emerald downs this year but three really good races yep. yeah so in indeed uh 
Yeah, Vince Gibson was ecstatic uh, the other day after Papa's Golden Boys effort, uh, you know, $30,000 for second. Uh, he outran a lot of horses at mm -hmm. a distance that, you know, he was forgotten at the end, 11 to 1. And Sluice Tiz was, uh, last time I looked at the odds board, wasn't he 4 to 1 or 9 to 2? And then he he got slammed a little he, bit. Late, him and Top he? Executive both went down. Okay. Top Executive, a very narrow favorite. They were both 3 to 1. Sluice Tiz was a strong second choice. Yeah. Those two both got heavy, heavy action. And one other note, you know, we had one winner in our 50 cent pick four. That's right. And uh, Brad Free of the Racing Forum does a call. He wanted a little info on that. So we got it. It was a $216 ticket bought through TVG where the person went four by four by nine by three. Wow. So he went nine deep to get you're the cause. Now, he in the last race, he's the only guy alive to three horses, he or she, whoever it was. And they had Sluice Tiz Wiz, uh, Majestic Eagle, and Top Executive. And they got, of course, Sluice Tiz Wiz, $67,485.05. So nice work. Very, very nice work indeed. And we'll talk a little bit about those other races after we get Tom Wenzel on. But uh, one other quick story. Uh, Giovanni Franco, of course, came in to ride background and a couple others for trainer Mike Puich when Rocco Bowen had his injury. And they were driving into the track, and when Mike was getting ready to come around the corner, he told Gio, he goes, you know, this rate, this track is so popular with truckers. I mean, the truckers love this place. And so they straighten out, and they see all these semis. And <laughs> Gio Franco says, wow, yeah, there's a lot of trucks here. And Mike never really told him what, uh, what was going on. I could uh, see Mike doing that with a straight yeah, face. Yeah. So that was kind of a funny story uh, on mild day morning. But uh yeah, uh, heck of a race. We'll get to some of those other races as well. But uh, in the meantime, let's talk to the winning trainer of the 87th Long Acres Mile, Tom Wenzel. Tom Wenzel has started three horses in the Long Acres Mile in his career, and two have won. And most recently, this past Sunday, August 14th, the 87th Long Acres Mile, Slews Tiz Wiz is a name in Washington bred history now and Long Acres Mile history. Tom Wenzel joining us, and congratulations again, Tom. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate that. You better believe it. Uh, you know, uh, horse ran a big race in the Muckleshoot Derby last year and did win going a mile. And uh, let's start off with your jockey, Jose Zanino. Uh, he rode him quite a bit last year, and, and uh, you have full confidence in Jose. Yeah, I did. You know, he started riding me. He he rode kind of sparingly for me kind of throughout the years uh, here at Emerald. And we never really got going until last year. And we clicked on a few horses, Slew being one of them and Lila Grace. And and there's been, you know, a number of them and, and a few more this year. And so we just started a relationship after uh, kind of Rocco had left and S1 Flores had left and yeah, I was looking for some local guys that I thought could get the job done and and didn't have, you know, business where I'd always be trying to compete with other barns all the time yeah. for them. And so me and him hooked up since last year and have had a lot of good luck oh, the last two years. Yeah, indeed. And what what a day on Sunday for Jose winning his first Long Acres Mile. Uh, Tom, the uh, coming back, he's, he's raced, you know, he's been pretty active here the last, what, six weeks or so. Uh, but uh, tell us the signs from that he's given you and uh, just his sharpness has just been increasing. Yeah, I mean, he runs some pretty decent races early on. 
even though he was getting beat, you know, he was closing on some tracks that were hard to close on early on in the meet. And then we, we ran slew an uh, allowance 40 climber. I believe it was a Friday night. Uh, it might have been Saturday, but uh, and he made, he run really, really professionally that night, sat behind some speed uh, that wasn't quite as fast as, you know, like Papa's Golden Boy for sure. Uh, and he was able to run by him and got really sharp in that allowance race. And then we wheeled him back in the stake going six and a half. And he ran kind of a similar race and ran by, ran by Papa that night. And then coming into the mile, so he's coming off two good wins where he really had a, you know, a good, a good stretch run. And so we were pretty confident in the mile. If he could find his way, you know, through 12 horses and save some ground, then we had a big chance. Yeah. Go Tom, ahead. Vince here. Yeah, you just talked about getting through the 12. You really, it just couldn't have played out any better. And, and how did you feel watching the race develop? Yeah, it was good. I mean, he, he uh, you know, I talked to the riders, uh, you know, kind of all day about how important the first turn is on on these route races to, to not get packed out or because, uh, you know, you can, you can lose momentum and in a lot of power by, going too wide or not cutting that first turn. And so that was our main goal with a lot of horses I had in that day at the route races. And Jose, you know, we've talked about the race and he, he's just, you know, he just had a, almost a perfect trip with the horse where there's a couple of times where he had to maybe wait just a little bit, but not too much. And he finally snuck through and kept the rail the whole way. And, and, and that was, uh, that was a big part of us winning. Yeah. And, you know, his closing ability, uh, you know, you guys have been in the game as long as you. You've had closing sprinters that maybe don't have the same punch at uh, in a two-turn race. But, boy, this horse can really finish uh, at either distance, Tom. Yeah, he, he definitely can, especially uh, when he's gotten good here the last part of the meet. He, when you ask him, and this horse visually really moves out even uh, talking to Kevin Radke, who's a real class act and congratulated us. And he said, God, when this horse went by me, he just, you know, really, really had some momentum. And, and Kevin's been around a long time and knows, you know, the capabilities, how good Papa's golden boy is, uh, you know, out there on the front end. And he said, this horse just, you know, went by him with a lot of momentum and almost scary, scary good. Yeah. Yes, yeah, very similar to the governor's. Well, now we've had a few days after the race. What's what's next for Slew's Tiz Wiz? Are we going to see him one more time at the Emerald Meet? That's what we're hoping. There's the Washington yep. uh, uh, Classic Championship uh, race at the end of the year, and as long as he's doing well, we'll we'll try to run him in that race. Perfect. Yeah, uh, just a fantastic year for Slew's Tiz Wiz, Longacres Mile champion, and. Carl Craig, uh, the late Carl Craig, passed in 2019, bred so many Washington-bred champions in the last 10 to 12 years. He, he was up there on that stage at the banquet a lot and pretty entertaining guy. And uh, he picked out the mating for his Mayor Ross's girl, uh, according to Roy there. Uh, didn't know the whole story, but tell us about Carl and his his breeding expertise, Tom. Well, he's, he's really good. You know, Carl did kind of quarter horses at a lot of the kind of the 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 quarter horse push tracks and through the years and so he got into the thoroughbreds 
um, back in the day, and I think Ernie Braithwaite mm. helped him with a few, get involved, and and you know probably about seems like it's I can't tell you exact, but me and Carl and I, Carl had done such a great job raising horses. I said, Carl, I said all you need to do is get yourself a little more mare power, mm. uh, brood mare power in, in his band, and he had some okay brood mares, but nothing with a lot of black typing and stuff and i just said carl you need to you know, get yourself a, a few mares that that give you a little more potential and and you're gonna you're gonna do great because his farm and the way he raised those horses was really strong and so he kind of started doing that got we bought one mare at a winter sale and then he uh bought another one in kentucky uh the distorted humor mare that gave us both Lady Rossberg and Ross's girl, the mother of Slew, and then he uh, just kind of went after the breedings and the necks and the matings the best he could, and he uh, he just did great. And he was, you know, Carl's always a, I would say, a, a strong optimist almost yeah. about everything, and so he never would get down too much about stuff, even when you when you take a few blows in this industry and. He uh, raised some awful good horses. That Maker's Finale I had a few years back was a really talented horse, and both uh, you know, the Rossberg mares that they're breeding now were, were both really good fillies in their day. And Slew would just be an you know a good offspring of one of those mares that he picked out the the stud, and and it just worked worked out. And I uh, I wish he could have been here to enjoy this with us because I know everybody's goal locally here is to try to get to the mile and have a shot at winning one but you definitely know he was smiling up there when when this horse ran big you bet uh carl the breeder of makers finale and and uh, absolutely cool out of that same mare coup de foudre who that's your one mile starter that didn't win tom as you i'm sure you were certainly aware. yeah and he won cool. the phoenix gold cup twice I think it was three times this horse won it. I, I, was it just twice or was it three times? I think times? it was three times, okay. yeah. I think it might have been three times. And Cool was so a half-brother to Finale uh, at a coup de foudre, and he he developed into a really good closing sprinter, you know, in middle, mm-hmm. later later of his career. And Val Lund was a big part of that, getting him uh, good, because he, he really ran well in Phoenix. He ran pretty decent for me most of the time up uh, – up here but he was he really owned phoenix and he uh you know we we routed him i think a couple and we ran him in the mile when he was i can't remember the year if it was four or five probably five-year-old year year. and we just tried to close with him like we did sprinting and he he might have rounded we ran fourth or fifth in the mile with him Uh, yeah i think he was yeah just out of the money yeah he was a pro he got around there he was probably better around one turn as you mentioned striker won the race i remember that yeah Cool was kind of up against it because he was a closing sprinter is what he really was in his career. And so him getting a distance wasn't, wasn't his forte, you know, if you will. But, but I remember him making a pretty good account of himself that day. And then I think after that year, after the mile, it might've been when he went back down to Phoenix and won three or four in a row, including hmm. the gold cup that year, if I remember right. He was he was tremendous down there. Yeah, just tremendous. Yeah. He's one of their all-time leading earners. Sure. That track. He is. Yeah, yeah. He was a really neat horse. Both both him and Finale were just really good personality horses, and never you know would just never give you 
any trouble about anything. They were just good afternoon runners, both those horses. Well, you know, Slew's Tizwiz is only four, and he seems to be improving with every race. I know the figures say as much. Tom, do you, do you see still potential for more improvement in this guy, which is pretty scary? Yeah, you know, most of the time you, you get you get one of these horses that wins a mile up here. They tend to be five-year-olds more than four-year-olds. Not that a four-year-old hasn't done it, but it seems like the five-year-olds have uh, a little more success rate in the mile here. So the fact that he got sharp and did it as a four-year-old, who knows what his potential is. You know, he, each race is getting better, and the distance uh, the distance has been no problem for him, and he ran he ran good at a distance last year, so I uh, it should be fun to try him again next year and and see if we could get another repeater like Stryker did it. Yeah, uh, boy, yeah, and you've won two miles. Uh, Tom's first was the Great Face in 2007, uh, a really dynamic Washington bred with speed. And, hey, you know, your two-year-olds are going awful well, Tom. You've won three of the last four two-year-old races. How about that? Is that a surprise to you? You know, we thought we, you know, every year you're always optimistic about your young horses. And and then, uh, you know, you run some and you, you have a reality check. But luckily this this year, some of them are getting with it. And we were able to win a stake with the Philly and had a couple Colts win. And so we're, we're, uh, we're having a little luck. I know it's been a long time since I've had a first-time starter two-year-old went out of the block, so I used to feel I was pretty good at it, but uh, finally have a year that, that we had a few more run well. Yeah, it's working really well. You're set up for some uh, the Washington Cup and the Gottstein, it looks like, if you want to go that way. And Don't Kiss and Tell got a stake win this year also. Are you looking at the Washington Cup for her? Yeah, most likely. she uh, She's kind of uh, as she's gotten older, she hasn't done the distance racing quite as good as we're we were ho- you know hoping she could. But uh, she's been a little bit more of a a closing sprinter as well now. But at Washington Cup, when you're not facing some of the very toughest mares, we usually give her a chance at the the mile of sixteen. So we just we passed on the distaff this year mainly just because her her distance capabilities are or a little compromise uh, these days just because she has uh, uh, she doesn't get 100% of her air all the time. Uh, she She's one of these horses that had a little surgery when she was younger, and she's pretty good, but, you know, sometimes at the distances, uh, her air gets a little suspect. What about Midnight Mojo? You almost uh, bagged another stake, 75 with that one, another good effort uh, by Mojo at Emerald Downs. Yeah, we were we were pleased with him, and Eddie did a great job riding him, and he scraped some paint with him for a lot, a lot of the race out of the two hole, and got got a pretty good trip, and 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 almost won won the race. Uh, and they kind of set it up for a couple of us closers with a real honest pace in that race. Uh, but it was nice. I mean, this horse didn't sprint half bad this year. He ran a couple of thirds for me, and last year was all we could do to get him to to sprint a little bit when we were he was first learning so we were i was pretty happy with that horse this year because he he uh he sprinted even better than i expected and and as you know he run a pretty good almost a winning race in the derby and just got beat by a, a horse that outrun him yep uh he ran really well midnight mojo our godstein winner from last year 
Tom is just one behind Blaine Wright in stakes wins at the meeting. Five, five to four. four. And Blaine won what? Five of the first eight, I think. Yeah, together they've won nine out of 16. That's two pretty potent barns there. That is. Uh, so it's a really good season. And Slew's Tiz Wiz is a Washington-bred Long Acres Mile champion. Uh, just has got to feel good these last few weeks have gone by with uh, success after success for Tom. And uh, hey, Tom, great job. You've got some outstanding owners, and uh, but you do a super job out there and you have for years. So uh, it's got to feel good this week. Yeah, it was definitely a, a fun week and got to share it with a lot of my family and friends, and that's always a good thing. That's great. Tom, thanks so much for recapping a great Sunday here at Emerald Downs, Long Acres Mile. 87th running goes to Tom and slews Tiz Wiz. Tom, we'll see you at the track. All right, perfect. Thanks, guys. Congrats. Thank you, Tom. Tom Wenzel joining us. And uh, uh, the mile, the second betting favorite won that. Slews Tiz Wiz. But the other races on mile day, fellas, uh, you know, looking back, uh, boy, I just, uh, no, I wasn't there on those. Um, tis, tis a macho girl, certainly bred for two turns, but uh, just broke her maiden. You guys have any, uh, did you guys have any inroads on any of those other winners? Zip and Sevens had never routed. Now she goes a mile out of 16th by Coast Guard. And you're the cause, was two for two at the meet. And then he wins the Derby over Midnight Mojo with a wide trip and just a huge, long, extended run. How about those other three races? Yeah, as we talked earlier, the coming up with those four was was really tough. Uh, Tiz and Macho Girl had shown some talent uh, uh, breaking the maiden, a big jump into the stakes company, but also had shown some ability, albeit on turf in Southern California. I know the barn was always high on the horse, but uh, even they were, I'm sure, delighted with the performance. Zip and seven. How about Alan Bazell and yeah. Mike Phillips, Mike Phillips two people great. who support Emerald Downs a long time. You know, it's great to see sometimes some of the smaller barns get the, a big win like that. Oh, the money really got spread around. Debbie yeah. Van Horn and uh, Bob Wilmot, the Wilwin stable. You know what? That Mr. Wilmot, when you interviewed him down there, I got to hand it to him. He was pretty composed. I would have been <laughs> yeah. just off the charts elated. Yeah, he had a he had a little wager on the horse. He said, "Oh, I bet two hundred to win on him the time before." And oh boy, he would have liked that bet this time. But uh, yeah, he got forty one grand for the win. Yeah, exactly. What a claim for eight thousand uh, a few weeks back. But you know that I guess what it says a little bit. You know, hindsight uh, when the top contenders haven't really been running two turns, especially at the yeah. three year old level. Then you know, I mean, hey. Things yeah. can happen. Slack Tide ran a good she race did. in defeat. She, she, she was clearly well. second best. But yeah, that was... Executive good. Chef fired the favorite in the Muckleshoot Derby. Bill picked up You're the Cause. I, I would have been doing a double yeah. and triple take a track announcer. That I think you good. said that was the only pink silks, though? The only pink silks <laughs> in that race. So that was uh, nice. I didn't have to do the D, uh, good old double check because <laughs> it was out of, out of nowhere there. I thought oh. Midnight Mojo was going to win that race uh at, at about the 316th pole and then i'm like uh oh look at this yeah. and, and the it, previous time you had said his name in the race he was in last so yeah. that's what you referred to from last which was per which he was he was way out of it yeah i almost got cute with it but i didn't want to <laughs> i was a little stunned at the uh at the at what was going on there at uh what was it 56 to one or whatever yeah. the heck it was uh but a great ride by yeah, matias yes and I'm sorry to interrupt, but Paul Paul Beatty pointed out Javier's 
come from behind prowess from last place earlier in the meet. And he's done that a lot. Yeah. That's and then let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, there's a, a pick five, uh, or yeah, pick five, uh, pick five carryover going into Friday night. That's right. The pick five, 28,927. That will be on our last five races on the Friday night card at Emerald Downs. And it's kind of tough. And it's not, yeah, for field size for a Friday night, it's uh, pretty darn good. So I think, uh, if you hear this before, uh, Friday night, make sure to uh, download the PPs, get a racing form, brisk, whatever the heck you do to get some past performances and uh, throw some money towards our uh, pick five carryover on Friday night card. Yeah, that that's great. We'll have a nice, lively pick five on Friday with that 28,000 plus carryover. Okay, well, uh, ladies day this Saturday, free admission for gals at Emerald Downs. It's also a senior day and seniors 60 and over get in half price. So we've got uh, the T-Rex races on Sunday, which is going to be a big day. We're going to have some people out here. The T-Rex video from 2019 that just went crazy around the world. So we're going to have two T-Rex races. If you have a T-Rex costume, you can run in the race. So that uh, first race, 215. No stakes races for the thoroughbred this week. How about weekly honors from last week, Vince? I didn't help you out too much on those. And that was a tough one for trainer, of course. It was. Uh, yeah, but, you know, how can you overlook Jose Zanino? Not only did he win the mile with a beautiful ride, he also won the mile consolation yeah. on a horse called Complicate with another really nice ride. Yeah. So Jose Zanino, great to see, you know, a veteran rider like that get the Northwest biggest prize. Tom Wenzel, we've talked about the meat he's had. I mean, it was, uh, he didn't just win the mile. He had live runners up and down the week. You mentioned his prowess with two-year-olds, so we'll go with him. We gave KD Thoroughbreds the owner of the week right after the uh, the governor. So we went with Will Winstable, and you mentioned it's uh, Bob Wilmot. Yep. One of the top $8,000 claims in track history with You're the Cause. Washington Bread will go with Sluice Tiz Wiz, of course. That's And he hasn't won the honor yet this year. So that's Katie Thoroughbred's uh, uh, Darlene Craig and the late Carl Craig. You mentioned uh, how he bred the horse. So uh, we'll get the award to Roy Brewer and Darlene Craig and the whole gang from Sluice Tiz Wiz for Wabred. That's great. And Debbie Van Horn, trainer of uh, You're the Cause, is also part of the Will Win Stable with Bob Wilmot. Um, I, and I noticed Coast Guard is number one as a sire at the meet. Uh, he's he's uh, overtaken Harbor of the Gold at this point. Yes, and also Abraj, uh, okay. who's second. Yeah, I think he's up to 18 wins now. So Coast Guard having a good meet, yep. and that's uh, perfect timing for our other guest on the show. That's right. Dana Halverson's going to join us to talk about the WTBOA sale. So let's take a short break, and we'll come back with Dana Halverson on Horse Racing Northwest. Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 
first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code SPORTOFKINGS when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in a state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit national gambling support line 800-522-4700. They're at the top of the lane, straighten up, leads it by two lengths. Man, oh man, on the outside, the big Wombin, hard-ridden, tries to make headway. Homeward bound, straighten up, and Mike Smith sets sail for home. The big Wham comes out the pack to take him on. The expected two come to dispute it. Straighten up, hanging on, getting weary. The big Wham closing. The big Wham's got him. The big Wham is up to win it. The big Wham and Juan Hernandez beat straighten up in the end. That was the stretch run of a Washington-bred Winning a stakes race at Del Mar just last Friday, the graduation stakes went to the Big Wham, who's a son of Mr. Big, and he is a two-year-old that is on a roll, four starts, two wins, two seconds. He's made $161,000. He is the number one Washington bred earner for 2022. Sluiced his whiz second at $127,000, followed by Three-year-old filly with Tim McKenna in California. Anthony's Cleopatra. Papa's Golden Boy is fourth at 73,000. Lynchpin Storm has been sharp all year. And he's at 69, followed by Union Brother. It's all about the ride. Zippin' Sevens is in the top 10 now at 52,800 after her win in the Emerald Distaff. So, Zippin' Sevens has skin in the WTBOA sale. So does... Sleuth Tiz Wiz. And here to talk about that is president of the WTBOA, Dana Halverson. And Dana's on the line with us right now here on Horse Racing Northwest. And Dana, uh, sale time next week, next Tuesday, as a matter of fact, 1 p.m. at the sales pavilion just up the street on Ron Crockett Drive, north of Emerald Downs. Dana, good to have you on. And uh, you're getting ready, huh? We're, uh, we're excited. I mean, uh, this stuff creeps up on you. Yeah. So we've got a really nice, uh, nice catalog, and and we're uh, anxious to get started here. Uh, uh, actually, it's such a good weekend last weekend with the mile weekend that uh, um, I think people are really excited about uh, about sales. So, well, we did have six Washington breads in the mile. Uh, purses are up nicely this year, and. Uh, You've got a lot of uh, half or full brothers and sisters to recent Emerald Down Stakes winners at the, in this catalog. Yeah, I, in fact, I was just just kind of uh, wandering through here a little bit, and just uh, I almost forgot that there were so many half half siblings to horses that have won stakes at Emerald this yeah. year. So, I mean, you got a half to uh, uh, the curling the curling the mischief full. Full sibling to Cobra Jet, last year's stakes winner, two-year-old. Yeah, and then uh, the uh, Abraj, two-year-old uh, that that won the first stakes this year. Uh, uh, he's got to have, or actually, he's got a full brother in by Coast. Well, yeah, I think it's a Coast Guard out of the uh, a half brother, I guess it is, out of Annie Over. That's another one that's a stakes horse. And then the Sluice Tizwiz. We have a Danzig Candy uh, filly out of. Uh, that same mare and a half to, to that the horse that won the mile and right um 
You've got uh, mm-hmm. a full, um, okay, the full Philly to Cobra Jet. You got a half uh, Colt to I'm a happy, no, a full to I'm a happy cat by Smiling Tiger. Yeah. That's right. We got a, a full brother for that one. And uh, Slack Tide's yeah. younger brother. It's Turbo's younger brother. Uh, Driveways, younger brother. Yeah, it's it's great. Driveway, of course, uh, second in the Shinpo after breaking her maiden real impressively here at Emerald Downs this year. And Slack Tide's just been a, a really fine filly for two years. And you've got a uh, a Colt by Sir Prance a lot out right. of Slack Right, that was Tide. one I was going to mention too. You know, we have a lot of him, so it's a half to Slack Tide, and uh, he's obviously been a really nice horse. And and uh, uh, you know, a half to by raise the secret, you got a half to uh, the horse that was the older filly and mare champion last year, and and uh, Washington bred, and then we got a midshipman out of Bellamia, who's a, who's a champion two year old filly, and nice. Uh, then we got a Connect Colt, uh, who's one of the top stallions in the country now, and he's they raised him from twenty to twenty five thousand, and that's a half to a three hundred and two thousand dollars stakes horse, and and a couple others have made a hundred thousand even out of that mare too. So just a lot, <laughs> a lot of nice things. Plus, plus we have a you know, the last crop of Harbor, the gold. And of course he's been a really superior Northwest stallion. Uh, we've got Kentucky horses, uh, got a clip filly that I, I have actually out of a mare. That's a multiple stakes producer. And, uh, we also have a, a Gormley filly. That's very nice. And a Spitzer filly. That's really nice. Uh, just, a really good selection of horses. <laughs> yeah, I was, the, the events. I was impressed just myself going yeah, through again. <laughs> exactly. You know, the events at Emerald Downs, the stakes winners of the last uh, six weeks, uh, boy, just represented from their families big time in this sale. And uh, you were up at Nina Hagen's on Monday for a preview, and Coast Guard's our leading sire this year. Uh, he's overtaken Harbor the Gold. Abrage is second. So there's uh, plenty of Coast Guards in the sale as well, aren't there? Yeah. I think there's a there's several of those. There's a lot of smiling tigers. Who was a, of course, was our uh, leading sales horse. Uh, uh, at, it brought him brought forty thousand at our sale. He was a leading. He's made a million four eighty. So that's uh you know that's the biggest price for any horse that's ever come out of our sale. And so I mean we've just got a lot of really really nice horses. And uh, I think we got probably about a half dozen or so of smiling tigers in the sale too. So that's great. Uh, a lot of really nice horses. We're we're really excited about. It. I think it's really a nice nice catalog, um, and we're really uh, happy to have everyone come out. Uh, we might have to park in between the semis, <laughs> but but beyond that, it's it's going to be really a good sale, and uh, we're we're very excited about it. I mean, the sales have been really strong. I mean, the peop- a lot of people really want to get in the horse business, and so we're uh, we're anxious to to get it going on Tuesday. They'll be there. The horses are going to be there and ready to show on Sunday. Very good. So just just so people know that uh, we're most everybody's moving in either Friday or Saturday, and they'll be ready to show on Sunday. So we're uh, uh, we and the sale has been moved up one hour for to one o'clock rather than two. So uh, that's on Tuesday yep. and. We're anxious to see everyone out there and supporting uh, our Washington breeders and everything, and they've done really a wonderful job. So uh, our our people are well known for presenting a really nice horse, and we're really looking forward to that sale. 
Very good. Yeah. One o'clock this coming Tuesday. If you haven't been to one, it's free to attend. You can get a catalog for free as well at the WTBOA offices right next adjacent to the pavilion. So the horses can be viewed Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And the sale starts at one on Tuesday. Dana, we'll see you there. And uh, looks like it could be a real fine sale. And looking We're forward to for it. The best. Okay. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Dana Bye. Halverson, president of the WTBOA. Uh, yeah, and just a lot of siblings to current Emerald Down Stakes horses. So uh, those should be some of the lively uh, bidding wars among those. And yeah, a filly that's uh, the younger sister of Slew's Tiz Wiz by Dancing Candy. And I, I don't know, how's he doing as a sire? He's... Dancing Candy does pretty good with uh, two-year-old first-time starters. Good. I do know that. Yeah, he's uh, just had a, uh, maybe three crops now, something I like that. I had a Saratoga winner today with a Dancing Candy. Did you really? There you go, yep. yeah. It was that's... a three-year-old filly, though. Okay, well, that doesn't count. They put that money back in the <laughs> thing. Okay, Vince Brune. Bill Downs, Joe Withy here on Horse Racing Northwest. I think we're about done with segment number two. We are. And uh, Robert Geller is going to give us a little preview of the Queen's Plate after the break. And we'll also get into our normal last few segments, handicapping angles, selection, sports shorts, and trivia. We'll be right back on Horse Racing Northwest. Muckleshoot Casino is going to empty the vault. Win your share of $100,000 cash this month. Come in any day and get a free entry. Get bonus entries on Wednesdays and double entries on Tuesdays for every 2,500 points you earn. Just play any of your favorite table games or machines to enter. Drawings are every Wednesday in August from 6.30 to 8 p.m. It's empty the vault and it's only at Muckleshoot, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Robert Geller joining us on Horse Racing Northwest for the first time this year. Couldn't let a year go by without having Robert on. Robert, great to have you on our podcast. Great to have a chance to chat with you, Joe, especially coming to the Queen's Plate. I'm excited. Yes, this Sunday on the 21st of August, it's Queen's Plate Day at Woodbine. The race of the year, $1 million Queen's Plate for three-year-olds, fold in Canada and Robert, this race goes way, way back. Well, it is the longest continuously run stakes race in North America. Mm. And COVID really, you know, was a challenge for the racetrack. And because of the difficulties of the season being a little shortened, they moved the race state of the Queen's Plate to continue that so oh. that the history was not interrupted. And they started the um, race later in the season. It used to be in June. Mm -hmm. So when COVID struck, it was moved to August. And I think people are much happier, trainers especially, because they feel horses are more developed. And uh, so there is that uh, shift in the Triple Crown. The first leg being the Queen's Plate is uh, this race. And then the Prince of Wales stakes at Fort Erie on the dirt at a mile and three sixteenths in September. And then the final leg, if they're live to that, is the Woodbine's Breeders Stakes, which is on the mile and a half E.P. Taylor Turf course. Okay, so still the same order, just starting a little later. And I can see why yep. trainers would be happy going a mile and a quarter a little later in the year. And, uh, you know, Robert, uh, as you well know, Phillies have done pretty well in the Queen's Plate over the last 10 years or so. And what, is this your ninth season, I'm thinking, at Woodbine? It, it's officially seven. And, oh. uh, you know, I, I started 2015, uh, uh, the week or two before the Queen, you know, June 13th 
Woodbine Oaks Day in 2015. So this has been my eighth call of the Queen's Plate. Uh, the first year I called it was one by Shaman Ghost, who's actually siring a horse that's running in this year's Queen's Plate. Right. Chamatour, the two horse. So uh, I'm seeing a filly as the morning line favorite. Is it Moira? Moira? Moira. Moira. Yes. Okay. By Ghost Sapper. Tell us a little bit about the race. Well, Joe, you got to know what Moira, the most famous Moira, is. There's that uh, Canadian uh, sitcom called Shit's Creek. Oh, I, okay. Is that the <laughs> and uh, Moira's and my, Moira's the wife? Yeah, the wife. Okay, that is a funny show. Yes, finally got a bunch of awards. I saw at the end of its run. Yes. Okay. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> Very good. That was Bill uh, and Robert. Uh, take us a little bit about some of the uh, top stories coming in this year's Queen's Plate this Sunday. Well, I think visually, two horses that just had monster performances. One was Moira, who was uh, coming into the race, the Woodbine Oaks, uh, off of a win first up. Now, she's had a very light career. She's only had four starts. She's only missed out once as a two-year-old. She was very unlucky that day. She came off of uh, what was a bit of a delayed start to her three-year-old campaign. She just won, but she needed the run on a sprint. And then she stepped into the Woodbine Oaks and just crushed this mm. field. Now, I know that she could have won by more. Uh, she didn't have any hind shoes on. She tossed them out in the post before the race. She uh, still managed to just crush. Wow. Now, Ron Dua also crushed. This was a horse that uh, didn't necessarily do a lot as a two-year-old, had a little couple of unlucky trips. Orders Racing Stable Ownership had a move to Katerina Vasilieva's barn, and she's really brought the best out of this particular runner who won what was the Marine Stakes seven weeks prior to the Queen's Plate, so it's quite a ways out. But Moira and Rondo are both written by Rafael Hernandez. Now, Rafael had to choose between the two, and it's incredible because these are the top two horses in terms of the favorites. I do believe that because Moira hasn't really had uh, any poor performances, uh, he felt an affinity with her. I do believe Rondo is very live. Flavian Pratt, who won the Queen's Plate with one bad boy, has had a one-to-one perfect record. He's been booked to ride Rondua. Very, very good run uh, prior to the Marine in uh, what was a second-place finish to the Minkster. These horses have run against each other a few times. So those two have definitely visually been impressive, Moira and Rondua. But there are a lot of hard luck stories coming in, Joe, I think, to other horses in this race who will be definitely trying to seek revenge on them. One of those would be Ironstone, uh, a horse that's hard to rate. Very impressive, explosive, speedy horse as a two-year-old. They've been trying to keep this horse uh, to really settle and maybe go a mile and a quarter. And to some degree, you, you could argue they might be better off letting this horse just run crazy and set a very fast pace. Kazushi Kimura had a bit of a spill a number of weeks ago. He's recovered. He's back coming in to ride tonight. So he's going to be in the Queen's Plate. And they're very delighted that they could pick up the champion rider at this point because he was uncertain as he was whether going to ride or not. So the tactics on Ironstone are going to be key to the pace of the race. The other question mark horse is a horse called Duke of Love. This is a horse that Josie Carroll trains. She's won the race recently with Mighty Heart. She's won it three times. Hmm. She believes this has an amazing amount of raw talent, but is a horse that mentally is a bit immature. So they've been working on that aspect and was held up in the stretch last start. For those who love Mark Cassie, Sir for sure has never lost going two turns and was the winner of the plate trial. And also in that field is Hall of Dreams, who was second. So these are just some of the angles. And if you're looking out for shippers, you've got a Todd Fletcher runner, and that's a horse called Cause of Mayhem, lightly raced. It's an intriguing race, Joe. I think that every single horse you can make a case for, 
especially given some of their lucky and unlucky stories in their last couple of runs. Very good. We won't put you on the spot for a pick. We can watch you on the Woodbine Signal on Sunday for Robert Geller's pick for the Queen's Plate. But 11 runners, three-year-olds fold in Canada, one Philly, Moira. I'm having trouble with that name. Moira. You got it. Moira. 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 Okay. Daughter of Ghost Sapper out of an unbridled song, Mare. And uh, she is the five to two morning line choice. Robert is calling the races. He's between races at Woodbine, so we'll let you go. But uh, always great to hear from you. And uh, we'll be watching the Queen's Plate Sunday, Robert. Oh, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be on with you, Joe. Thanks to Robert Geller for joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. Always good to hear Robert's voice and the Queen's Plate coming up. Uh, I think it's around 2, 2.30 or so, our time, on Sunday. And uh, Philly is the morning line favorite. Okay, handicapping angles. Uh, we're going to talk about, like, uh, last-second handicapping, quick handicapping. Uh, I'll start it off. Um, and sometimes it takes a little time to find this, but if you can find a favorite that you don't really like, like one of your standard handicapping angles. Okay, no, I don't like a horse that's done that. I don't like a horse that's doing this. If you find a favorite that you can find right away that you don't like, then you can go quickly away from there. And especially if you're adding horses on a pick three or pick four, um, that makes it a little bit easier. So uh, if I can find a false favorite right away, then... I get interested in a race, Vince. Well, one I do if, if I want some real quick action is mm-hmm. I'll look at the racing form and just see who's got the most ones in their recent running lines early in a race. And if I see it, boy, this horse here, just on a cursory look, looks like it's going to clear. Okay, well, at least I'd probably be in front early. And you cash a few tickets that way because if you're in front early, the chances of hanging on are pretty good in horse racing. So just a quick look at the pace scenario, and if it looks favorable, it might warrant a bet. We've heard uh, Vince talk about speed handicapping angles before, Bill. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, I'm, I'm not going to be good on this, uh, this little okay. tidbit. B- because- Bill, let me interrupt. You had a good one last week, though, and, yeah. and it bears repeating. A last-minute one? Just a general oh, handicapping okay. was a favorite being asked to, and it could apply to what you just said, a favorite being asked to do something they have never done before at a short price. And Slack Tide was an example of that. She ran a good race, but she had never routed and you got a, and she got beat. Yeah. Those, those horses can win, but when you're taking a short price, that was something my late father uh, taught me very early on. And, uh, and it's still it's applicable to this day, but since I didn't have a, a good uh, last second handicapping, I did look at the Saturday card Okay. And uh, there are a couple horses on the Saturday card I thought were, were worth mentioning. In the third race, it's just a $2,500 claimer, nine winners of three lifetime. And Ashley Beautiful lost to a lot of these uh, fillies and mares two starts back, but she had a miserable trip. And then last time out, she almost won, and she ran, I thought, in a much better race um, on August the 6th than what uh, she faced in that race on July 24th, where she had all sorts of trouble. Um, it was one of those races, it, it, you know, you, you got to read conditions. And I guess this is my handicapping angle. Always read conditions of races because mm-hmm. you can kind of tell, either, even though a race might be the same claiming price, the conditions of the race can read much different. It can be non-winners of two and a half months. 
and non-winners of four lifetime. It could be non-winners of seven months and non-winners of four lifetime. So which race is tougher? The non-winners of two and a half months and non-winners of four lifetime. And so Ashley Beautiful comes out of a race um, exactly like that. Non-winners of two and a half versus or non-winners of four. And, and Saturday's race is non-winners of three lifetime. So I think she's making a, a bit of a class drop uh, from that race on August the 6th. And, and she's nine to two in the, in, in the morning line. And like I said, when she lost to all these other Phillies and mares that she uh, lost to on July 24th, she had a nightmare trip. And so Ashley beautiful nine to two in the third on Saturday. Then the seventh race on Saturday, Lutz little gift um, did not have the easiest of trips either. Uh, she had the rail and she'll have the rail again on Saturday um, but she had to wait going into the turn. She brushed it up her stretch. Then Racky guided her back towards the rail. And she, in the last like 30 yards, I, she took off mm. and she just got beat by a head. She had another jump. She was going to win that race. And she's uh five to two in that race. Tam tricky, uh, uh, finished thirds also in that race, but loots a little gift in the, uh, and Saturday seventh race. And, and Vince made her five to two in the morning line. Those are the two I like on Saturday. Okay. Uh, I'm going to look at the second race on Saturday. Second time starter. Oh, Vince is, oh, he just, his ears just perked up. They sure did. Even with headphones on. <laughs> Slice of pie has the rail. She had the rail in her debut. And uh, John Lindley's trip notes say she broke three slow, then bumped right after start, lost another length, restrained on the back stretch and then wide on the turn. That's a rough trip for a career debut. And I just watched it earlier today. And yeah, as John wrote, all that happened, of course. She's out of Perfect Pie, who won nine races here, Tail of the Cat Mare. Uh, she does have the rail again. But one thing with all the trouble, she showed a nice spurt down that backside. And, and if you get beat a ways, you do like to see something from the horse yeah. in the race. And I saw that. She had a burst of speed. Then she kind of ran into some trouble. Now she's in tough. Uh, she's in against that Nana's Angels, who's fired really well three times. Fly Robin Fly comes off a head defeat. She's stepping up in class. Uh, Bob Meeking has a... Look, look who just beat Nana's Angels, by the way. Yeah, tis a macho girl. And that's who Slice of Pie was in that same right. race. So she's in a tough race to begin with. Does have the one hole again. There is some speed to her outside, but she's much better than that race ended up. I see you made her nine to two in there because there are certainly going to be a couple horses less than her in odds. Yeah, she's, I think, I agree. I think she's got some talent there too. And uh, Tom Wenzel training. Boy, if that won't get your attention right yeah. now, he is just really on a roll. Yeah. So slice of pie. Uh, I think she's got a little ability. We'll see at nine to two on Saturday. You didn't have anything on Friday night, Bill? No, nothing, not really. Not, nothing really. I, I thought that that uh, Settler's Cove outside in the uh, two-year-old race. Is that the Howard Belvoir horse? Yeah, yeah, out of Port Wakefield. Um, she had the one hole in her debut, and that pace was uh, faster than many of our two-year-old races have been. Uh, it was won by I Love You Too who's out of that fast family. So she chased a pretty fast face, pace. She did fade from it, but uh, she had the one post. Um, she draws outside this time, and she did show a little stalking type speed. Javier Matias back for Belvoir on the daughter of Coast Guard 
and Port Wakefield. I'm not sure what you made her morning. I think line. eight. Eight I to one. Remember. Okay. Yeah. Settlers Cove, eight to one. Looks like a pretty good race. Uh, ten. Of- yeah, as Bill said, there's, there's some competitive races tomorrow night. That pick five is a good, real solid sequence. Yeah. Pick five. Once again, carryover in our 50 cent pick five. I think just the second one of the year, I believe. Not second sure. or third. Okay. I, I, I can think of one for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Vince is going to hold off from selections. Morning line price maker. Sports shorts, Tom Wenzel. I'm going to the horse racing end of things and the Long Acres Mile. Tom Wenzel joined a nice list of trainers who have won multiple Long Acres Miles. And in 87 miles, 14 trainers have won multiple miles, and they've won like 40% of, mm-hmm. the, of the Long Acres Miles themselves. So... Uh, I've got that list. Of I was course. surprised when you said this was only his third starter in the race. Yeah. He's had a lot. I remember there was one year they talked about running Stop Shopping Debbie in the mouth. Tom trained her to a nine right. for nine record at Emerald Downs. There you go. And Maker's Finale didn't quite make it. He got he got injured. He yeah. was, uh, like Tom said, he was getting to be a really, really oh. good horse before that happened. That was unfortunate. Yeah. He, he had won our Derby the year before and was just tough on the lead and fast. So Jim Penny. Five Long Acres Mile wins has been atop the list. Original class of the Washington Thoroughbred Hall of Fame. Three of those wins at Emerald Downs. Alan Drumheller, legendary four mile wins. Those with three are Howard Belvoir, all at Emerald Downs. Bobby Frankel and Larry Ross. And then with two wins now, Lori Anderson, Daryl Cannon, Jerry Hollendorfer, Francis Keller, Mike Puich, Marion Smith, Tom Wenzel, Glenn Williams, and Eugene Zarin all have two Long Acres Mile victories. So, Tom. Great list, pretty, yeah. Pretty like good that. list of trainers there. That's my sport short. Bill? Well, I guess it's the Seattle Mariner update because okay. uh, I, I do enjoy watching uh, the Mariners, something I did not think I would be enjoying uh, this much. Uh, I knew I was going to go to a few games, and it was an early start to the year. It was not uh, that great, but uh, things have – business is brisk up yeah. at uh, T-Mobile Field. And the, the, the Mariners uh, uh, swept the hapless uh, Anaheim, Los Angeles Angels, whatever the heck they're called these days. And they uh, take on an equally inept Oakland Athletics over the weekend. Hopefully, Followed by the Washington, equally inept Washington Nationals. After yes, that. and that's, uh, that's the theme, I guess. A uh, good uh, schedule for the Mariners to uh, win some uh, baseball games. And you know, even uh, at the end of the month, they got... Uh, um, they hosted the Guardians, as uh, we were talking Four about. Four-game series with the Guardians. Yeah. yeah they're one of the guys' com- teams competing for the wild card. And they're gonna, uh, Ichiro is going to be uh, inducted into the Mariners Hall of Fame, I think. is that uh, uh, That's on the, that weekend of when they play the uh, Guardians. And then uh, they play the Guardians again in early September. They play at Detroit. So they got a chance to, to win, some, uh, win some baseball games, a trade for Luis Castillo, has been outstanding. Three starts, like a 2.18 ERA. They got to get France back uh, going. Yeah, he's been uh, slumping a little bit. He's Service down the 280s. That, yeah, he's been down in the 280s, and he was up there way above 300. Well, he uh, carried them the first month when they were struggling a little bit. Yeah, and then we got we got uh, you were getting healthy, and uh, I, I like uh, like what I'm seeing. Of course, you know the American League is. I think uh, you know, the Yankees have been struggling, but the the Astros I think are the prohibitive favorite, at least in my eyes with that uh, starting pitching staff. But uh, Mariners, keep an eye on them. They're, uh, they're, they're 
they can make some noise they're, and get out of that wild card round. They're a season high, 11 games over 500. I got a chance to watch that Castillo pitch the other day. Wow. Mm. Does that guy have stuff? It's, Woo! What's his he record had 10 for the strikeouts. Is he uh, one and one or one and one? Something like that, but he's pitched awful well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, he starts. pitched, didn't he pitch the game that went 13 innings? Yes, yeah, and his hits to innings pitch ratio is outstanding, and he's got great control for a guy who throws hard. Uh, they got a really good top three, and then their bullpen's coming at you. This brash in relief, who was a starter at the start of the year, looks good. Anyhow, Bill, you're right. They're playing well. I'll uh, do my shorts, and you mentioned the Mariners and the Angels. I was at the Mariners' first ever victory. April 8th, 1977. Did you go first, to that with my brother? Because he was there too. The first game was April 6th. They got oh. shut out by Tanan and oh. Ryan the first two nights, but then they won the third They got game. shut out the first two games? Yeah, by Frank Tanana and Nolan Ryan. Both both went all the way. In fact, Tanana won two in the first series. It was wow. a five-game series. Uh, but they won game three, six to five. And uh, if you can name the winning pitcher for the Mariners that night, that would be a J. Michael Kenyon oh, Hail Mary, boy. as he used to call it. Well, they had Glenn Abbott and Diego Segui started the first game. Yeah. Glenn Abbott was pr- the tall Arkansan, yeah. as Dave Niehaus called him. And they had that Bill Stott, Bill Stoddard, was that his name? Bill Stan, not Stanhouse, that was an Oriole. No. Uh, Bill. Or you, Something like that. He was a right-handed pitcher. Really? I thought he was a reliever. Bill Cottle back in the Cuffs. day. Cuffs. They a, got him from the Cubs. That was, was 82 a, and 83. A little bit later, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, I don't know. No, it was a guy named Bill. It Bill, was what, Bill Laxton. Uh, L-A-X-T-O-N. He was kind of a long reliever, kind of a dick pole type guy and <laughs> just, you know, kicked around a bit. But he pitched the ninth and they scored a couple in the bottom of the ninth to win it six to five. And, Did you say you went to that game? Yeah. Right on. I went opening night when they got blasted and then uh, to game three when they got their first win. I always kind of enjoy uh, looking where stadiums of of yesteryear, where they were located at. Right. And so I looked at, you know, where the kingdom was at, like when I was in Indianapolis, I never got to where they was market square arena where the Pacers played. And I didn't know any idea where it was at until one day I'm like, oh, I got to look this up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's right here. This is where, yeah. you know, Reggie Miller and then the battles with Michael Jordan and all that all happened. And I always kind of enjoy. I think, yeah. Where they, where cities put the, the these arenas and stadiums in, in the past. I think Kingdom was right where uh, Lumen Field is now and the, in the T-Mobile it park is little just south of where the kingdom right, was exactly yeah so the seahawks stadium is right where the kingdom yeah. used to be now if you go back to 69 the pilots played one year here in the major leagues there is a plaque down on rainier avenue i guess i think it's a lowe's it's now a lowe's there. now yeah yeah and it's got a little plaque there that that's where home plate was at six stadium not just the pilots but you know like your dad of course remembers the rainiers sure. glory years when they were up really successful minor league team here in Seattle. I saw Matty Alou hit two home runs in one game in that stadium. Matty Alou. He went a whole season without hitting a home run. Sure. He was a good good hitter, though. Yeah. Anyway. We uh, digress. Yeah. Um, that's fine. A little baseball talk here on yeah, Horse Bill. Bill thinks probably thinks the Mariners have been good. He comes here one year and yeah. <laughs> hey, when I was going to the game, they were, they, they were stinky. I mean, they, they couldn't do anything right. I was like, all right, you know, I'll enjoy a few summer afternoons out here, and uh, they'll go back into, you know, an, you know anonymous mode. But uh, they're 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 banging on the door, uh, trying to get in these playoffs. Quite a story. 
Yeah. Okay. So there are our sports chart selections, handicapping angles, and we'll end it with some trivia. We had a question last week. I didn't get any replies, at least. It was a busy week. I might have missed them on my uh, email. But send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Last week's question, one jockey has a record of two starts, one win, and one second in the Long Acres Mile. And I think Vince knows who that was. Nathan Shavs. Yeah, Nathan Shavs. He he won aboard Sabretooth in 2002 on the front end, and he picked up the mount on race day because Adalberto Lopez was going to be too far overweight on Demon Warlock, and he ran second on Demon Warlock in uh, 2004. Yeah, the muddy race that a dream is born one. So Nate Shavs, this week's question, uh, the... Long Acres Mile single race handle was fifth highest of all time on uh, Sunday. So what was the highest single race Long Acres handle, Long Acres Mile handle single race? Uh, that counts all the superfectas, trifectas, and the pick threes that end pick four. So what year was the most? Send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Anything else, fellas? That's about it for a podcast. We had three guests today. We had... Tom Wenzel, Dana Halverson, and Robert Geller. So uh, listen at your leisure to Horse Racing Northwest.